We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and we got to talk about Providence, man. We got to talk about a 74 to 65 absolutely hideous win um, for number one UConn last night. Uh, they did not cover the spread, unfortunately. I thought it was the most obvious letdown spot in the history of letdown spots for Providence last night, but credit to them. They showed up, they fought. Uh, and they put in a really, really tough performance. And um, on another day, it might have been enough to deserve a victory. Uh, that we'll get into everything that happened and, and how that played out here in a second. Um, we'll get into the fouls here in a second, and we'll get into why we love January again. But uh, don't let this fool you. Um, we'll talk about that in a second as well. Uh, before we do, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. If you do enjoy what you hear on this channel, Rating, reviewing, engaging, doing all of that stuff, uh, it helps. It's the way to to help with the algorithms, the way to do all those things. So if you do that, you leave a comment, leave a review, uh, know it's very much appreciated. Second thing, um, you're going to hear an ad for this later, but I really, really would recommend checking out the Autograph Fandom app. Uh, they have done a very good job curating the best UConn-specific content uh, on the internet. And if you want to be able to find a way to get all of that stuff in one place, um, I'm not just talking about, you know, the the ESPNs of the world. I'm talking about the UConn fans doing content for other UConn fans. Uh, it is really, really good and re has everything that you need in one spot in one place on the app. So make sure you go download the Autograph Fandom app. Use the code F68. Uh, it, it helps us out. Um, I get 75 cents every time someone downloads the app. You know, every every penny counts. Um, all right. So let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about the fouls, right? Let's talk about what happened in that game last night and how many fouls were called. Um, I thought it was a hideous, hideous, hideous basketball game. Um, I thought that the whistle was maybe a little bit too tight. Uh, I also think that when you have a team that prides itself on toughness and physicality, going up against one of the best defensive teams in the Big East in Providence, that you are going to inevitably end up sometimes with games that do look like this. Uh I don't think that this was a situation where the referees called a lot of fouls that weren't fouls. Um, I wish they would have let the whistle be a little bit looser and maybe allowed us to have more of the Josh Aduro versus Donovan Klingon battle. That would have been a little bit more fun. We'll get into that here in a second because I have some 
thoughts on how that all kind of played out. Um, but it's hard to really, it's hard for me to sit here and blame the officials too much when uh, that was a game that was going to be a throwback, physical, tough, Big East battle that, that we knew would be something like this. And it's just kind of, it is what it is. I think there were a lot of situations where they called fouls that were fouls and both teams were fouling because it was a tough physical game. And it's one of those ones where sometimes it would be nice if we could just play call your own fouls in college basketball and the game would be a little bit smoother and be tough and be physical. And and, and, uh, maybe it wouldn't be the prettiest brand of basketball, but it is what it is. Um, To be honest, and I hope this doesn't get me uh, run off this app, but I actually thought Providence has a little bit more to complain about when it comes to the officiating last night. And look, at the end of the day, home court advantage is home court advantage in college basketball for a reason. Um, there were studies that were done, uh, I think like five or six years ago, that said that the only sport on the planet that has a bigger home court advantage when it comes to the way that the whistles work is soccer in Europe like the Premier League, La Liga, and all that. And that's because those fans are absolutely out of their minds. Um, imagine if uh, if if every single Providence fan in America drank three, four Locos and then decided to sing for the entire game uh, while um, deciding whether or not it was acceptable to be racist to opposing players. That is what it is in a lot of these uh, European soccer leagues. So no surprise there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that uh, the two that really stood out to me were um, two of Josh Duro's fouls. Uh, he picked them up going after rebounds after Devin Carter missed a shot on a drive where they could have called a foul um, on the drive. And I think that changes the game a little bit because the more you get a Duro going at Samson Johnson, the better for um, Providence. I thought the offensive fouls on Carter were, were legitimate fouls. Um, I thought that most of what Aduro was called for were, were legitimate fouls. And I thought three of the four that Klingon got nicked with uh, were legitimate fouls. Um, the one that wasn't was the moving screen. Like, come on, man, what are we doing here? Uh, that was that was too much for the second foul for the big fella early on. But um, my biggest takeaway was that Donovan's got to be a little bit better defensively. But I think a lot of that honestly had to do with uh, who he was going up against. And again, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to, I'm going to flesh out my thoughts on that matchup here in just a minute. Um, Hurley's tech. So I thought that the Klingon's fourth foul was definitely a foul. Um, it was, I, I thought his third foul was definitely a foul. I think it was obvious that Dan was really, really frustrated about the situation with the four fouls. I think you could see it. You could read his lips on the broadcast, what he was saying and why he was mad about the way that that went. And I I thought that the tech was honestly pretty hilarious because he kind of earned it, right? Like the, the thing about him, and I've heard this from coaches and referees before is that people tend to be surprised that this doesn't happen more, right? Like how many coaches have the runway to be able to do what he does on the sideline? Like I think he set this bar for, um, for a sideline, I don't want to say sideline decorum, but he set this bar for the way uh, that he will react to calls that officials kind of know like, okay, it's going to be nuts when Hurley's here, but I'm not calling him a tech until he goes across his line. And I think his line is further than what other coaches' line is. Um, so, you know, credit to him for kind of gaming the system that way. Uh, but, like, I think he, he earned the tech, and, I, I, you know, it is what it is. And, and I don't know if we got to – 
if it changed the way the whistle was going, you know, sometimes you just got to get that frustration out and, and, and let it ride. But um, I was the only time I was worried in the game was after he got the tech and after Klingon got the fourth foul. And all of a sudden, Providence is going the line, shoot four free throws in a tie game. And the guy that kind of changes what UConn is able to do is going to be sitting on the bench for a long time because he just picked up his fourth foul. So that's where I want to get into my single biggest takeaway. And that was Steph Castle and his performance. I thought that he was sensational, especially during that one stretch in the second half when UConn really needed him, right? Cam Spencer, Alex Caravan, Tristan Newton, Asan Diara were all somewhere between bad, not good, and looking like they were uh, dealing with uh, an ankle that was hurting a little bit. Um, and Donovan was obviously not available because he was strapped to the bench with fouls. And what UConn needed was somebody to step up and be a game changer. And what Steph did was he stepped up after those free throws, banged three, banged another three, scored two more buckets, got fouled, hit that free throw. And I think he had 11 of 13 as UConn turned I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was a four-point deficit into an eight-point lead. And that was the stretch that more or less changed the game because Providence wasn't going to be able to get stops against um, against UConn uh, offensively because UConn was so effective at finding a way to get to the foul line, right? And I don't think that Providence is a team that's built to kind of have that firepower where you're going to be able to run off 10, 12, 14 in a row, right? They're, they're, they are a defensive team that is built to be able to win games in the 60s and win games when the Duro and Carter go nuts. Um, and that's a, that's a tough way to go about it in the Big East when you only got two dudes, right? That's what I think that's why the Hopkins injury is so uh, detrimental for them. The, the kind of way that uh, Kimmy has, has built this team is – we're going to win games. We're going to we're going to put ourselves in a position to win with our defense, and then we're going to allow our dudes to do dude things and help us win games. And when you only have two guys that are really capable of doing that every single night, uh, it be it can become taxing. It can become difficult. And on nights when you know Devin Carter, frankly, just wasn't his his uh, NBA best, um, you know this is it's this is the kind of ugly offensive performance that you could end up getting. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. 
When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content, you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up and status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, but Steph was just sensational, man. Like He got to the basket, he made some plays, uh, and... Uh, I, here's where I will give credit for to to Kim and Providence. I thought that his game plan defensively was really, really, really sharp. Um, basically, what he did was try to force everything to go through Steph Castle. So he they they face guarded for the most part, especially early in the first half. But for the most part, face guarded Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer um, in the half court. They switched everything uh, from. Everything two to four, basically. And 
completely took UConn out of what they wanted to run and completely took away Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer. This is when, when UConn went on that six minute stretch where they only scored two points in the first half, this is what was working. And then when, um, when they were playing ball screens between Steph and, and whoever the five man was, they just went under everything all the way under. And the, the essentially what Kim said was we we're going to let Steph castle beat us with jump shots. And we're going to take literally everything else away and do everything we can to take that away. And it didn't work. He had 20 points on seven for 14 shooting. He had a couple of little short jump shots in the lane as, as uh, one of, I thought the really good tweak from um, from the UConn side was that they started setting those screens lower and starting the ball screen action like around the foul line so that when the defense goes under, Steph is shooting a little eight-foot uh, kind of set shot floater instead of having to settle for a three. And then the second half, they made adjustments and were able to get Tristan coming off of uh, curls and pin downs and getting them uh, downhill to the rim a little bit better. And that that worked, and that's when things started to pull away towards the end. But at the start, like I, I thought it was a really, really sharp game plan from Kim. Um, Hurley won with the adjustments, and that's kind of it is what it is. So uh, credit to Steph Castle for finding a way to be able to make the plays when he was being dared to make those plays. I also thought it's important to see him – like, look, I, I don't think that you can – you're, there's going to be that many games where Cam Spencer, Tristan Newton, and Alex Caravan combined to go 10 for 30 from the floor, combined to go two for 16 from three, combined for just five assists and six turnovers. Like those guys are all very good scorers. Um, two of them are terrific passers, and all three of them are really good shooters that have proven they can hit like four, five, six threes in a college basketball game. And Providence did a great job on them. They really, really struggled. Donovan Klingon wasn't there. Providence is a good team, and UConn still found a way to win, even if it was ugly. That was Steph Castle at his very best, and it is a lot of fun to watch this kid mature and know that uh, we're only going to have him for another, what, like eight weeks, nine weeks? So enjoy it while it lasts. Playing versus Aduro. Um, Aduro, I, look, it's not even arguable. Aduro got the best of him. He had 20 points and nine boards. Um and I see like one of the things I've been seeing and, and that I've been flooding my mentions has been uh, that uh, Josh Aduro owns Donovan Klingon, Donovan Klingon stinks, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And uh, look, Arduro was awesome. All right. He's got all the moves. He's got all the footwork. He was electric last night. He was really, really good scoring in the post. But him and DC or him and Kling Kong, and they're just completely different players in the way that they impact the game, right? Arduro was kind of like this below the rim, skilled. Uh, I don't want to finesse is the wrong word because he does got a little bit of bully ball in him. Like he's tough and strong, but he is a low post, back to the basket, throwback um, post player. And he's fun to watch and he's awesome. And I really love that the, the transition for him from the A-10 has worked because uh, that was one of the concerns I had. You know, you, you move up a level, there's more size, there's more athleticism. All of a sudden, you go from the A-10 to a league that has Ryan Kalkbrenner and Donovan Klingon and Joel Soriano and also Wigadar and all these great big guys, and it's worked. It's translated. Um, but that's his game, whereas Klingon is more of a guy where, like, his impact, it, it's going to pop up in the box score just because it, it, it's inevitable at some point, point but... What he does best and his biggest impact on the game is not stuff that shows up in the box score. It is 
how he can kind of eliminate people from getting to the lane and getting to the basket and walling up and making sure that you're not getting shots at the rim. It's how he can kind of take away the effectiveness of ball screen offense. It is the way that defenses have to be manipulated and figure out how they are going to tag him and defend him and deal with him in ball screens. It is um, the lob threat that he carries, right? Like he's not... He's not someone that you, he's not a Dama Sinogo. You're not going to throw the ball to him and have him take four dribbles and back you down and then pump fake and step through and drop step and you get a little baby jump hook. Like he's not, he's seven foot three with a seven seven wingspan. Like he's got high hips. He's not going to back you down. He doesn't have a low center of gravity. It's just not what he does. Um, and I think what was really, really important is that, uh, is is that when he got into the foul trouble and came back in the second half, like he was not playing the defense that you expected. He was just trying to be big and in the way, but you can't just be big and in the way and stop Josh Duro. Like you're not going to do it. It's not going to work. He's too damn good. So um, like I said earlier, it would have been nice if we could have gotten a matchup between those two that wasn't completely ruined by fouls on both sides. Like Aduro only played 23 minutes. So uh, it would have been nice if that would have happened, but um, that wasn't the basketball God's will. So it is what it is. Uh, part of the game plan Providence had clearly was to get him into foul trouble and Donovan bit on pump fakes and, you know, it worked credit to Kimmy credit to Josh Adoro. Um, that, that was a really nice performance, really smart way to get things done. And, uh, it is what it is. So, um, the last thing that I'll add is I think what Providence did, um, in terms of being able to take away some of like the rolling stuff for Klingon, uh, was not helped, uh, not helped for you. It was effective because UConn did not help themselves by missing a bunch of pretty good looks from three, right? UConn shot four for 23 from three. If that's eight for 23 from three, nine for 23 from three, something closer to what they're shooting on the season, something closer to what they're shooting in conference play. And this is a blowout, but you know, shots aren't always going to go down. Sometimes the defense has a lot to do with that. UConn was clearly not in a rhythm all night and it is what it is. So a win is a win. It's a win, it's a win, it's a win, it's a win, it's a win. This is one that they could have lost, and you're still sitting here with a two-game lead over the field in the Big East regular season standings uh, when you are officially halfway through the season. So I don't know how much more you can ask of that. Let's get into what's going to happen on Saturday because UConn is going on the road. Uh, well, they're not really going on the road. They're going to Stores South. They're going to be playing in Madison Square Garden. They are taking on Rick Pitino and St. John's. I cannot wait for this matchup. There is going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of hate. There's going to be a lot of passion. It's going to be a terrific, terrific, terrific basketball game to watch. And uh, that's before you get into all the storylines. That's before you get into the war of words that we've heard from Dan Hurley and Rick Pitino over the course of the last month. That's before you get into what is inevitably going to pop up over the course of the next uh, two days as we get ready for this game, the Saturday noon tip-off. Uh, it's going to be loud in there. There's going to be a lot of St. John's fans. This is a game that St. John's badly, badly, badly needs after having lost four of their last five. Uh, they lost one last night at Xavier. And this is the kind of win. They're like a 9-10 seed right now in the NCAA tournament picture. This is the kind of win that can guarantee them to be on the right side of the bubble. And you better believe, you better believe that Rick Pitino was going to have this team ready to go, ready to play, and ready to battle. The the I mean, we know what St. John's is at this point. We've seen them play it already, but tough guards, they can get to the rim. Joel Soriano is a guy that can do just what Jocelyn Doe did and, and get Donovan Kalina into foul trouble. That changes things. Uh, my biggest thing is that they are just an absolute pain in the 
ass to execute against uh, offensively because of what Patino does with his defense. I, I talked about this before, but essentially they switch between man and zone. Sometimes they switch between man and zone on different possessions. Sometimes they switch in the middle of a possession. Sometimes they have a, you're manning up on one side of the floor and you're zoning up on the other side of the floor. Um, sometimes it is a matchup zone. Sometimes it's a two, three zone. Sometimes they are switching everything in man. Sometimes they are not. And what they tend to do is run this little like two, two, one press where their whole point is to make you get the ball across half court with 22 seconds left. Um, make you figure out what they're in defensively, figure out what the call is. So basically by the time you're actually able to run offense, there's like 15 seconds left on the clock. And then all of a sudden you don't really know what you're doing. They got enough good defenders that it messes you up. And yeah, it, it's, it, it that that is a defense that is not fun to deal with. So um we saw we've seen UConn struggle with it before. Um and we'll see if they end up doing it again. The the talent is there. I do expect there to be quite a few UConn fans in the building and uh we'll see how this one ends up playing out. But um I think the the lead up to it and the press conferences that we see the next two days might be just as entertaining as this basketball game. I also just want to say I really, really, really think this is an important game in the grand scheme of Big East regular season title contention, right? This is what you can that UConn's nine and one right now in the Big East. Creighton and Marquette are both seven and three. Um, this is what UConn's next two weeks look like. They're at St. John's, they get Butler at home, then they're at Georgetown, they're at DePaul. You get through this one, and you really should have three more wins. And there, you really should be, if you're UConn, heading into that uh, February 17th game um, against Marquette at home with a 13-1 record. And there's a real chance, I believe, that one of Marquette or Creighton, if not both of them, will take a loss before then. Marquette has uh, – they're at Georgetown, then they get St. John's at home, then they're at Butler – before that matchup, and Creighton has five games before they play UConn. They get Butler at home, at Providence, at Xavier, Georgetown, at Butler. I would, I think it's more likely that Creighton loses one. They play five games; three of them are tough ones on the road. Um, but all, but both of them could really, realistically, end up losing one of those games. So, I think that if you are UConn, what you want is at minimum a two-game lead uh, heading into the the seventeenth against Marquette and then the 20th at Creighton. Um, you probably want a three-game lead at that point over the field because UConn's run it is brutal. Um, the last six games that they play, Marquette at Creighton, Villanova, Seton Hall at Marquette at Providence. It is very easy to go three and three, if not two and four in that stretch. That is a brutal stretch. That is a brutal run, and that is when they will determine whether or not they win the Big East regular season title. Um we talked about January, right? We talked about last January. We talked about how Hurley kept saying how much he loves this year's January. This year, the easy part of UConn's schedule was in January. This is what they played over the course of the last month. DePaul at Butler at Xavier, Georgetown, Creighton at Villanova, Xavier, Providence. Five at home, no Marquette, no Creighton, uh, Creighton at home. Um, yes, didn't have Klingon for a lot of that, uh, but it was also um, – it was also the the easiest part of their schedule there that they didn't have Donovan Klingon available. Last year, last January, and I'm going to include New Year's Eve in this uh, conversation as well because it's the stretch where they lost six of eight. At Xavier, at Providence, Creighton at home, at Marquette, St. John's, at Seton Hall, Butler, Xavier. 
You lost six of eight playing five of the eight toughest games that you're going to play and your three toughest road games. So that that kind of stretch is what UConn's heading into at the end of the season. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I think they're going to end up going like losing six out of eight again, but uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult playing on the road at Marquette and playing Marquette twice and playing at Providence with a potential Big East uh, regular season title on the line and playing Creighton it um, again. All of that stuff is going to be uh, very, very difficult to do. And like I said, three and three in that stretch would not be something that surprises me. So get the work done now. Have yourself a lead heading into the end of the regular season and make sure that uh, you are putting yourself in a position where you don't have to rely and hope that Creighton or Marquette loses uh, for you to be able to win um, the regular season title. And it would be nice to win the regular season title. So uh, I think there is a lot riding on this St. John's game. And I think that getting a win would go a long, long, long way towards UConn winning a Big East regular season title. But listen, uh, that's enough. That's all I got for you guys today. Um, I'm going to drop in a little bit of audio from last night. I talked about UConn with Matt McCall and John Henson on the field of 68 after dark. It was a decent conversation. Those guys know ball and they know UConn pretty well. So like, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that make me happy as a podcaster. And we'll see you guys again probably on Monday morning. Uh, I will be in Lexington for the Tennessee-Kentucky game um, for uh, an episode of Field of 68 after dark. Uh, but that Saturday, buckle up, man. It's going to be the best Saturday in college basketball this season. See you on Monday. There is nothing in sports Better than the heart of the college basketball season, which is why I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day. Users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build custom sports betting models within the Rhythm app itself. I am a Rhythm user, and I found that I've been a better better when I focus on lines where my gut and Rhythm's modeling are aligned. When I think UConn can cover on the road against Butler and Rhythm backs that up, we fire. But Rhythm also helps lead you to plays that you didn't know you needed to make. Like, for example, when the data says bet the over in UMass Lowell versus New Hampshire because you have a 61% edge on that line, you bet the over and you bink. So if you want to increase your edge and win more bets, go to the link in the description below and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H-M-M, the place for data-backed props and picks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, they host Providence, who came off of that big Ed Cooley reunion game. I don't know if reunion is the right word, but uh, what we kind of expected was one of the, the most emotional games you were going to see for Providence and turn around and go on the road to the number one team in the country and played pretty damn tough, man. It's kind of frustrating to think what this Providence team could have been if Bryce Hopkins didn't get hurt. They are a lot of fun. There's a lot of talent. There are a lot of dogs on that roster. Uh, Henson, UConn. Didn't really have Klingon for most of the game. He finished with seven points, three boards, and four fouls. He kind of got worked a little bit by Josh Aduro. Um, what do you make of UConn? What do you make of this performance? What do you make of this one? First of all, Josh Aduro's nice. So, you know, no mm-hmm. no, no discredit to him, dog. He's he's cold. I, like, I, I, <laughs> I watch him play. I'm like, all right, he's got game. But um, UConn is, is trucking along. They're getting better as the season goes on and the Providence is not a, by any means, a, a, a slouch win. I don't care who they have. They play hard. You know, they, they've got Carter kind of running the ship and, and they feed off his energy, his defensive presence, he, the way he attacks. Um, and UConn just mowed him down today. You know, it, it was going to be a tough game. I didn't think it was gonna be a blowout and they won by nine points. And, you know, it, it, it was a little closer than, than what the score indicates, but, UConn looks like the team to beat right now, and they're only getting better. They're 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 getting healthier. You know, they only had seven assists on twenty two shots today, which you know is kind of unusual. But this is a team that you know they're primed and ready. So I think over the next what ten games now, we'll see you know them continue to play well, and it's going to be fun to see in the tournament if they can repeat because they're they're right up there, you know, with my guy McCall's Gators to have a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- I think that it's something where uh, that's, <laughs> to me, that seems like it's, it's, it's going to be one of the more interesting storylines as we head mm-hmm. into uh, March. I think this is the team that's had the best chance to uh, we're on this show from now on, we're just going to call it pulling them a call because you know, they had Joachim Noah, they had Al Horford, they had Corey Brewer, they had Billy Donovan. They had like six or seven pros on the team. But we all Don't know. Don't forget Green, Lee Humphrey. Don't forget Walter Green, Green, Lee Humphrey. They had dudes Chris up Ridley. and down that line. Don't lineup. forget those dudes. So, okay. But the reason why that you're, team you're went back to back. You're talking about the three guys that like, were Matt on the McCall was on that bench. <laughs> <laughs> Matt McCall was on that bench. That's why they – listen, Matt, I just – on on UConn before, I, I do want to ask you guys one quick question about Devin Carter. But um, are you – so the thing that really stood out to me tonight was that I thought Kim did a fantastic job game planning for UConn, like what he did defensively. He basically uh, face guarded um, Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer and switched everything and dared Steph Castle to beat him. And Steph Castle did. He finished with 20 points. He had two big threes to kind of give him a little bit of a cushion. Uh, he had an 11, like scored 11 in a 13 to two run that UConn had in the second half that turned it from like, uh, a Providence four-point lead to UConn being up by eight. Um, I, I feel like we learned something about Steph tonight. Yeah, man, look, I mean, uh, 
this team is for real. What, what, what Coach Hurley is doing, especially with everything that he lost last year, um, to have them playing at the level that they are. Um, I think the biggest thing for UConn just going into the tournament as we go into February, if you look at the run, and I know they lost to Kansas and they lost to Seton Hall, they haven't faced a ton of adversity. And just mm -hmm. from my own experience, being a part of that, that Florida staff, when we went back-to-back, -back, even the second year, there was a lot of adversity. There was a loss at Tennessee. There was a loss at Vanderbilt. Like, there were some losses built in there where we had to grow and kind of get hardened as a team um, that UConn really hasn't hit that this year. So I, I think when you do hit that, and you never want to lose games, but you can you can grow and, and become even closer as a unit. Um, but give Kim English in this game, too, credit. I mean, that was so emotional on Saturday. I know you guys were there. We were covering it in the studio. I mean, it was complete pandemonium. To be able to turn around coming out of that and go on the road and have your team ready to play, that's impressive. You know, and Josh Aduro, he had his fourth foul with like 13 minutes to go in the game. So, you know, to think about that, if, if he wasn't in foul trouble, the game could have been even closer. But, look, this team is for real. They could go back-to-back. -back. Um, I just think, you know, going through some level of adversity, and they're going to be in close games. Like, it's not a shock that this is a close game today. I mean, they're going to get every single team's best shot. They're the defending national champions. So they're going to be in these tight games, and finding ways to win is the biggest key. Yep. Henson, is Devin Carter an NBA player? Like, do you see him you know, being able to find a role there? It's so funny, man. When I watched, when I was watching the uh, Georgetown game, I was literally Googling his draft stock because he's, he, he, he's a pro. I mean, he's a pro. He's got size. He's got tenacity. He's got the NBA bloodline. I mean, he's a pro. And I was looking, he looks like he's going to be like a mid, maybe late first guy, which is where I see him, you know, at. But yeah, he's a pro through and through. Wing, wing. Guards that can play can the I give you a comp? I got a, I got a comp, yeah. uh, and I, I'm loath to give Goodman credit, but th I think this is a really good comparison that Goodman came up with. Bruce Brown. Yeah. Oh. Bruce Brown is Bruce Brown is is a perfect comp for him, but I, I would think he he's different in a sense, like he brings a little more defensively than Bruce Brown, which could help him even more at the next level. So I love that comp. Thank you for watching The Field of 68. If you've enjoyed what you've seen here, hit that like button, share this link with your friends, or check out the description for some other places that you can consume Field 68. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.